How can churches encourage their members to read and engage in Scripture? Welcome to the Pastor's Voice. I am Rule Sample, and I am talking to pastors and church leaders about the current issues of the day that are impacting their ministries and the people they serve. I continue my conversation with Tom Vanderwell, host of the Wayfarer podcast. We talk about the ways churches can encourage a daily reading of Scripture, as well as how pastors can develop the gifts of preaching and teaching found throughout their congregations. Pastors are still seen as the, quote, professional Bible readers. But the Reformed movement, you attend a Reformed church, I'm a Presbyterian. The Reformed movement was based in large part about bringing the Bible to everyone. So how can pastors encourage their people to read their Bibles and develop a healthy worldview out of that? I think that it, it, and probably the pulpit is the place that it starts and the expectations that are set. With technology, there is no excuse for a pastor and a church not to be able to provide resources for the people in your local body, whether that be, uh, we're going to do this together and we're going to post it online, what everyone's going to read each day, or we're going to, you know what, we're going to uh, make audio accessible. My, you know, so my own pastor and I just talked last week, and this is fascinating, rural. So here we are in, in rural Iowa, which is Iowa's one of the most educated states in the country. It has one of the best educational systems in the country. And my pastor said that he has um, had several members of our consistory. Uh, they do, they're doing a, a book study within uh, within the consistory, which is kind of the, the leaders within the church. And he said he's had a handful approach him and say, and confess to him, they can't read. Interesting. They, Interesting. They, he, I mean, he blew me away and he was blown away as well. And he's like, well, what does this mean? And in grappling with that, it's sort of like, you know, let's stop making assumptions that everyone can. And maybe we need to make things accessible by audio rather than just reading. Um, anyway, fascinating. I just think being able to provide resources, being able to set expectations. One of the things that we do uh, among our local body and both uh, spaces that we use for worship is more and more, we're having discussion questions and we're making space on Sunday morning to say, um, okay, read this passage and talk about it. Or here's the question, get together, we call them with your neighborhood groups, because everyone sits in the same spots, right? Everyone sits in the same place every week. So, <laughs> And you better not sit in somebody else's <laughs> <right>? spot. <laughs> exactly. So look, you all know each other and see each other every Sunday anyway, because they're all relatively in the same space every Sunday. So just turn around, talk to the person next to you, and we give it a lot of grace and say, uh, our pastor Kevin is always great. He says, like, if you don't want to do this, just pretend to pray. And it's okay, but over time, what we've what we've seen happen, and it's taken a couple of years to get there, but we do this now almost every week. And people are really enjoying talking about the scripture together or talking about 
the question together. And that is making, I think, connection not only between pastor and listener, but now between listener and listener. And we're expanding the conversation even on a Sunday morning. And I think that's been helpful as well. What you're saying is scripture can actually be exciting and uh, uh, fun to interact with if we give our people a chance to do so. Yes, yes. And I would also say one of the things that we did, um, you know, our pastor Kevin and his wife uh, lost the uh, one of their sons who was in his 20s, uh, tragically uh, mm. passed away a few years ago. And right after that, uh, the two of them together, pastor and wife, did a series on Psalm 23 as they're processing their own grief of walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Um, they just kind of said, well, let's let's let everyone in on this. And so as they and their grief walked us through that, one of the things that we did as a family of believers was um, the idea was to memorize Psalm 23, everyone. Mm. So every week we recited it together every week we said it and by the time the series was over i'll bet you just out of repetition on a weekly basis most people uh, could have recited at least most of it by heart i thought that was an interesting way to to get it into the hearts of people and memorizing portions of scripture is a whole nother conversation there is there is something that keeping phrases important phrases in your brain is is also an essential part of, of, of reading scripture. Absolutely. And when I was young and I, when I was first discipled as a teenager, that was one of the first things that I was taught was to memorize key verses. And to this day, I can, you know, recite, but that's part, what did I say earlier? It's part of the digesting of scripture. It's part of not just reading it, but eating it, consuming it making it a part of you so that no matter what happens in my day, Holy Spirit uh, immediately has access to that in my brain and spirit and can immediately go, Tom, remember that, <laughs> that you can uh, trust God with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him. He will make your path straight. You're confused right now, but remember this, this verse from Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 that you memorized when you were a teenager. Um, and if I if that's not in me, then how can the Holy Spirit bring that up and remind me and encourage me and help me have faith in what God has written? Uh, what that means is now there's a much larger, there's a much larger uh, journey that I have to take to go, oh, I'm confused. Maybe I need help from God's word. So I go to God's word and say, where do I find it? So then I find a resource. Oh, let's Google uh, Bible or scriptures about you know, confusion. How long does that take to get to that scripture? But if I memorized it and it's inside of me, I it's immediate access. And all of a sudden that changes in the moment how I feel about this, this confusion. One of the things that I like that you're focusing on is we are reading scripture so that I can live a better life, so that I can best serve, instead of this whole cultural war idea that 
we memorize scripture so we're good at sword drills so that we can throw <laughs> the Bible over that that big fence that we have built around our churches at, at the outside world. Yes, so I can I can uh, fight the good fight against the evil that you know uh, people that don't agree with me. Um, and certainly we are supposed to great fight the good fight of faith, but what is that fight about? It's about love conquering hate. It's about goodness conquering evil. It's about blessing those who curse us. Um, and too often we get that mixed up. It's about discipleship and connecting with people based upon the scripture that we read, loving them, talking to them, and not throwing things at them. Like, here's 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 a scripture that you should really, really read. And it, I mean, it, you're absolutely right. It's about transforming me so that I become the aroma of Christ, the light of Christ. And that transformation starts with, with scripture, with understanding God's word. Um, you know, once I'm a believer, once I have Christ in my heart, it's one of the four key things, scripture, prayer, fellowship, and being a good witness. One of the things that you and I were talking about before our podcast was the ways that your church is using this interactive idea of scripture to develop teachers and preachers. Can you talk about that mm. a little bit more? Yeah, I'm really excited about this. And part of it, Rule, comes out of my own experience. I really thought that I was going to be uh, in pastoral ministry. Um, God called me to preach when I was a young man. And I always thought, well, what does that mean? It means I need to be a pastor. And then God made that very clear that, no, I was going to be a very non-traditional um, proclaimer of God's word in that I was going to not be a pastoral ministry, but I was going to be in business. Um, and so I've always kind of had this, a little bit of a rebellious streak against the institutional way the church uh, for, you know, for 1500 years has prescribed uh, who who ministers are and what it means to be a minister rather than it being, we are all part of the Royal priesthood. We've made it into this professional vocation in which you have to jump through certain hoops. And so for a long time, I believe, you know, read the scripture, read first Corinthians, everyone who is in Christ, the Holy spirit gives to every believer gifts for the good of the body of Christ. Now, those gifts aren't given when you reach a certain age. They're not given when you reach a certain educational level. They're not given, oh, well, you have to go to seminary and get a, a master, master's degree in divinity in order to get the gift of preaching. That's not the way it works. The Holy Spirit gives the gifts to anyone, no matter of age, gender, educational, social status, economic status. And so my, you know, my local church has said, we have people in our midst, people who are working the line at Pelicorp, or they're people who might be a business, a merchant here in town, or it might be a mom of four kids who has been given by Holy Spirit the gift of preaching and teaching. So, what we basically said is, let's identify these people, let's 
develop the gifts within them and give them an opportunity to use those gifts among us. And it has been so cool because now rather than just the pastor being the one everyone listens to every Sunday and he's the only voice anybody hears and he is the revered, revered up on a pedestal in the spotlight. And you're, you know, this as a pastor, you just start, after a while, you just sort of feel like the spotlight's always on me and I'm always the one that stands up. And when you stand up in the spotlight, you're the one with a target on your chest. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> and so that's a heavy burden. And I don't think that was ever God's desire. That's why he designed the body system. And so we're just trying to get back to that and develop, develop people with gifts. We had just this last Sunday, young man in his 20s who is actually in financial services, just starting his career. He's single and he, he preached his first sermon. It was fantastic. And no matter what happens, if he can develop this gift, no, when, no matter where God leads him in life, he can be used by God in amazing ways wherever he ends up. We often forget that the two main figures of the New Testament, Peter and Paul came from two different education levels, two different social stratas, and yet they were absolutely essential to the development of the Christian church. No question about it. And when you look at the, the resume of the original 12 that Jesus picked, it is, I mean, what a motley crew of misfits. <laughs> would, you want, would you want them on your board of elders or your board of deacons or, or your church board? No, and even... Even as of the last night of Jesus' time on earth, they were still bickering with one another, and they still didn't get what he tried to teach them for three years. And yet he still left them with the job. And I just, we forget that all the time. So I think one of the things that you're saying is that pastors have to understand or should understand that their role of as shepherd of their flock and they're called to that. That there, There's no question that, uh, that, that the New Testament says that the role of pastor is indeed a gift and a calling. But one of the things that pastors should do or think about is developing this calling of teaching or preaching in their people. Uh, you know, seminary is important. I think you're right. Seminary needs to be redefined and rethought through. But I think pastors should look at ways, how can I bring teachers and preachers out of the congregation? Right. And that's a good point. And I, I let me back up and I don't want people to hear what I'm not saying. I think that there, there's, of course, a place where, where education and where those who really feel called to full-time pastoral ministry can develop those gifts and develop their knowledge. But I feel like so many times throughout history, what has happened is that we create a professional ministry class. And now all of a sudden, everyone who's sitting in the pew, everyone, all the other members of the body are relegated to less than status from a spiritual perspective. And we're off the hook. Well, that's what we pay our professional staff to do. And that was never God's paradigm. The paradigm was, no, 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 no. You, everyone who follows me develops their own spiritual gift. And everyone is a minister of the gospel in your work, in your community, in your home. And we need to get back to that if the, I think, 
if we're going to see the revival we need in this world and we're going to see uh, the gospel continue to thrive. Well, that is exactly the reason why I started The Pastor's Voice. I think the church has relegated itself to a minor role in culture. And we do so because we don't train our people. We don't bring up our people to preach, to teach, to interact with scripture in such a way as to develop their own worldview and to influence the worldview of others. And pastors need to find ways to develop these skills and these gifts in their people. Of course. And and I really do. I think that because of the internet, because of the technology revolution, in the same way, I'm, I'm going to put on my amateur historian hat here, but in the same way, the Reformation and the cataclysmic change in Christendom that happened after, what well, it was just shortly after the implementation, the, the invention of the printing press, when everybody had access uh, to scripture uh, and in their own language. That's what precipitated this major spiritual shift that we call the Reformation. In the same way, the the internet and the technology age is the same kind of fundamental shift in our world that I think is radically changing the church and the gospel and how it works in our modern culture. I think we're just on the cusp of it. And we're going to have to adjust. Uh, If you try and stay stuck in your old institutional Christendom ways, I think you're going to, you're not going to make it. (laughs) I I agree. And, and I think we're, as you said, we're in the, in the middle of a cultural and technological shift right now and how churches adapt, use, uh, modify this, this technology and this culture of you is going to determine their existence for the next century. Well, and it's going to be really interesting rule because I, you know, we're even having this conversation locally as well, because right now there are these conversations going on among, you know, the larger churches and, you know, powerful congregations uh, here in the U.S. about the role technology is going to play. And there's kind of two different camps. What I'm seeing is there's the camp that says you we have to go whole hog into technology and become uh cutting edge innovators. And if you don't, we're going to, we're going to lose out. Then there's the camp that says, no, um, we just need to stick with the tried and true uh, fundamentals of being a local body and uh, developing discipleship and things And technology doesn't have to be a part of it. And whenever I see things like this, I kind of go, the truth is always at the point of tension between the two extremes. Um, I think there are places where technology, we could go so quickly and fully down that road, we lose the baby with the bathwater. Or we can completely deny it and miss out on the things that could really help us in what we need to do. I think there's a place in the middle there that we need to find. And if church leaders, pastors, the elders, or whatever the governing body is, are faithful in seeking the guidance of God, yeah. They'll find they'll find that balance. Absolutely, and I think that the shift, and this is just my perspective, but I think the shift needs to continue to um, 
not focus on how many likes and views and, uh, you know, this again, going back to the stats and the numbers and anybody who's listened to the rise and fall of Mars Hill podcast, um, that's kind of is a great example of why I say that. But I think that we need to get back to the local churches role is to make sure that the members of the local church are being the light of Christ in our own local community and that we are ministering to our sphere of influence. Anything beyond that, that's gravy, man. If the Holy Spirit uses that, awesome. But we need to focus on on our circle of influence and where the Holy Spirit leads from there. Next week, we conclude our conversation by talking about how Tom has integrated his Christian worldview into his successful research business. Be sure to check out Tom's podcast, Wayfarer, on your favorite podcast network. The link is in the show notes. Please also consider supporting this ministry. We have a lot of expenses that go into producing this show, from the podcast platform to transcription services to the web hosting itself. Please use the support the show link to donate any amount to help us move into the new year. If you have any questions about our podcast, would like to be a guest, or would like to become a sponsor, please email us at podcasts at thepastorsvoice.net. I am Rule Sample. Merry Christmas! And thank you for listening.